informative radio for the Sunshine State. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. What the hell is this? Agent Denham, that is a 1963 Ferrari 250 GT Lusso, owned and raced by the coolest cat who ever lived, Steve McQueen. This was his baby, and now it's my baby. You got Steve McQueen's car parked in your living room? And here I thought you were an ass. I paid a million for it 10 years ago. I wouldn't sell it for 10 times that. We're 65 stories up. How do we get out of here? You don't. This car was taken apart piece by piece and reassembled inside this room. Well, this car will eventually be sold at auction with the rest of your belongings. Only if I'm guilty, Agent Denham, which I'm not. And now for all you music lovers, it's time for your traffic report. There's a six... <laughs> what is it, Scooby? Can't you see I'm broadcasting here? pile up on the tri-level got you backed up all the way to the off-ramp so if you're traveling this morning try to give yourself an extra day or two folks <laughs> hang on folks i've just been handed this important bulletin ladies and gentlemen we interrupt our regularly scheduled program to bring you this special report like live as it happens Hello, this is the annoying Jay Leno, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google TanTalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreetMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our shows, 695 shows as of today, don't forget to check out NostalgicRadioAndCars.com. Good evening, Matt. How you doing? Hey, we got a great show for you this evening. We have a very, very special guest with us. Don't touch that dial. Stay tuned. We will be right back.
Concord Delegates, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, guests, guys, gals, car guys, we're back, and uh, it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. I'm delighted to welcome to the show the founder and CEO of R.M. Sotheby's Vintage and Collector Car Auctions, probably the world's leading auction house for vintage and collector cars. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Rob Myers. Rob, how are you this evening? Doing great. How are you doing? Pretty good. So you're up there in the Great White North. You're in Chatham, Ontario, yep. and you're a little east of uh, Windsor, Ontario, north of Detroit, so that kind of puts a geographic location, right? That's right. Yeah, I'm an hour. I'm an hour east of uh, Detroit, Michigan. Okay. So, give us a little uh, a little history lesson here. Tell us a little bit about your past, how you got car started in the in, in the hobby. And I understand because I was reading up on you a little bit. Uh, your passion kind of grew because your dad gave you a 1959 Etzel, which I'm an Etzel fan, by the way. I just want to let you know that. All right. Yes. Well, that's good. Yeah, I got a 59 Edsel two-door hardtop, which my father had for years, and it was kind of an, just a tired old car, but I fixed it up so I drive something to drive to high school. And, and I drove it through high school for a while, and I ended up trading it for a 650 Triumph Bonneville. A motorcycle. motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah, I've always been into motorcycles as well. I've had motorcycles my entire life, and... For 15 years, I was a Harley-Davidson dealer here in Canada, so I've always had an interest in motorcycles. Did a lot of riding in my younger days. Do you still yeah. do you still ride today? No, I don't. I sold the Harley store about four or five years ago, and lost interest in riding. To be honest, when I ran the Harley-Davidson store, it kind of uh, ruined my hobby, so to speak. Well, now, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I was in the salvage yard business for 40 years. And as much as I love cars, I'm passionate about it. I never got around to fixing my old cars because when I was done at the end of the day, I was like, uh, last thing I want to do is wrench on the car. Then I got into boats. but So I understand it. But you're in the collector car hobby, and then you got into the restoration building business. And you apparently, when I was reading up on you a little bit, you really had a passion for painting. So you started the cars a little bit and then motorcycles. And then the restoration shop. Tell us about that. Yeah, my father was in the. Um, my father was a maintenance man at a uh, a factory here in Chatham, and I was never interested in working in a factory. I dropped out of school in grade ten. Thought I'd do something with myself, and I always liked painting and 
custom painting and things like that on motorcycles and I restored a couple Model A Fords in my parents' garage and way back when a cousin of mine and myself started in a two-bay garage just doing a you know, restorations on Model A Fords and muscle cars and all that kind of stuff. And I was always painting Harley Davidsons and different motorcycles on the side and became a, um, I guess I could call myself at that time. I was one of the premier painters in America. Did a lot of, I did a lot of custom cars and took them to all the shows in Michigan and all over the United States showing cars and won several awards and accolades for, my paint and some of the artwork and things like that. And then grew that business from doing the uh, motorcycles into doing, um, you know, restoration on antique cars, Model A Fords to Camaros. And I had an El Camino way back when a 70 El Camino LS6. And I enjoyed the muscle cars and just grew that business and continue to grow it into the, uh, into the late 80s and 90s and I started buying and selling and uh, started my action company in 1990 small company in Toronto Ontario that I bought and, and then at one point I was bringing several hundred cars to auction before I bought the small company to the cruise auctions and Barrett Jackson back in the days and Sotheby's and Christie's and then I thought, you know, I could probably do better than this and started my own auction house in the uh, in 1990 and just started growing that company. Along with that, I put a couple guys in my shop to help me run that restoration shop. And today we're still one of the premier restoration companies in the world. Um, I believe we're the RM Auto Restoration is one best to show up Pebble Beach more than any other company out there for our clients and uh last year we won pebble beach best to show again that was a uh, two years in a row and it was our eighth win at pebble and we've got a couple other cars we're doing now there's about 40 guys in my shop and i've got some of the finest technicians in the world my poster has been with us now for 40 years and he's one of the finest upholsters in the world so yeah, we grew, grew that business, grew the auction business, we're, we're the largest in the world. And as an old boy told me years and years ago, he said, try and surround yourself with highly intelligent people and people that are smarter than you in different ways. So we've done that over the years. And today we've got one, like you say, one of the premier restoration companies in the world. And, uh, and our auction house is the largest in the world. So we do auctions all over the world today. So it's been an interesting journey. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I also know that you're kind of a Ford guy a little bit, and you had a, a personal re relationship in connection with Carol Shelby. And I remember talking to Carol myself many, many years ago, and two things he said, follow your passion, which you did, and secondly, it's not me, Robert. It's the people I surrounded myself with. Surround yourself with the best people, and they make you look good. Good motto. Yeah. You know, if you love what you do, the money will follow later. Very, yeah. very interesting. Very good. Very good. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the restoration. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, the cars that uh, go through your auction and then talk a little bit about the concourse. People don't really understand that 
you know, and of course today the cars, would it be fair to say that the vehicles today that you restore are multiple times better than the way they were when they originally rolled off the assembly line? But also, is it true that that's the expectation today? And when they show up on Pebble Beach on the 18th green uh, or at Amelia, that that's really what people want to see is these cars taken to the next level. Well, it's taken to the next level, but it's also the correctness of how that car was born. Mm-hmm. Sense of primers on chassis, set of paint finishes, and you know, all of the various things that. So there's an extreme amount of research that goes into the restorations to have accuracy as to the way they came from the factory. And yeah, I would say that today the paint quality and the detail is is finer than it was when the cars were produced new. But there also has to be an element of correct accuracy into the restorations. And that's what we pride ourselves on, that I've got such knowledgeable people in many fields from Mercedes to Ferrari to Duesenberg's that we've gotten to know these cars extremely well over the years and know what's right and what's wrong. And um, so, yeah, and then, for instance, we're going to have uh, eight or ten best of Pebble Beach show cars displayed in Moda, Miami this year at the Breakers Hotel in Coral Gables. And so we're looking at this and saying, how is this even possible to have a best of show award at Moda, Miami? when you've got 10 best to show cars on the field that were Pebble Beach best of shows. So we're going to have modem where it's a little bit different in the sense of instead of having a best to show, I don't believe we could have a best to show when we've got such extremely rare and important cars on display in Miami. So we're going to give each of those, uh, those folks, you know, they, and they're all in their own respect have a uh, an award you know for owning the best and and displaying the best so i don't you know if you've got 10 best to show pebble cars in miami how do you judge a a real best to show when you've got so many best to shows already on display you know and then things like amelia island we've won best to show several times and some of the other various concours around the country so we'll have a lot of those types of cars on display and we're going to have a unique judging system in the sense that uh, we'll do peer judging similar to that at the Quail Lodge in California. And yeah, we'll see how that goes, but we're going to have some extremely important never seen cars together at Moto Miami. So we're really looking forward to it. Well, now let's talk about that for a second because that's on my list of questions. So let's talk about Moda Miami and how it came to fruition. What was the inspiration behind it, and uh, how do you uh, how do you foresee it? Um. Well, really, the inspiration behind it was Bill Warner, who found was the founder of Amelia Island and a close friend of ours. We did a Amelia Island. We started that with Bill Warner when he was doing his Concours and helped build the show and the Concours. And unfortunately, or, or fortunately, Bill Warner uh, was getting up in age and he, he sold his, uh, he sold what he had built over 25 years in Amelia 
to uh, the Haggerty group who went public and whatnot. So they purchased the show, and they're also in the uh, now a competitor in the uh, auction business. And we thought, well, when they purchased, we were cut. You know, after 25 years, you get tired of doing a show the same, the same, the same. We thought, you know, it's a great opportunity for us to leave Amelia Island. Um, Haggerty Insurance took over the. We used to do our auction in the in the uh, ballrooms at the at the Ritz Carlton Hotel there, and we got uh, asked to leave that hotel and go out and build a, another area out in Amelia. So we did that for one year. We said, you know, it's time for us to move on, create a new show. Just by fluke, I didn't know that. I didn't really know where Coral Gables was. I knew it was in Florida, but I didn't know it was part of Miami. Went out, looked at it, went and seen the Biltmore Hotel and thought, you know, this would be a fabulous area to do our own concours and start a concours. And we've got some partners that we're just, uh, we're supporting it ourselves this year. And we've got lots of partners and sponsors that want to be involved with us next year. And we thought, let's do something fresh and unique. And so we started that, uh, that show and it'll be at the end of February, first weekend of March. We're really looking forward to it. We'll have a great food, fashion, Sotheby's luxury. Um, yeah, just a bunch of things going on. And, and it's going to be unique. It'll be different than your typical Concours. So we're looking forward to it. We're quite looking forward to it. Yeah. So so the, what, what's the schedule then? So there is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event? Is that the way it is? Yeah, Thursday evening, a lot of the people were rolling with their show cars mm-hmm. and having an auction there as well on Friday and Saturday, a, a boutique auction both days. Friday, there's going to be a classic car tour that goes along the ocean in in uh, Coral Gables. There'll be about, I think, somewhere 75 cars on tour. We'll host a very nice luncheon for them. Then in the afternoon on on Thursday, we've got a, uh, a reception for our guests. Friday will be a uh, sort of a free day, and we'll have our auction. It'll be a preview of some of the things we've got going on. We've got these, um, uh, this food company called Carbone in Miami. They're a very high-end special dinner Friday night with some entertainment. Saturday will be the show, the first day of the show. We're going to have a two-day show. So we'll have cars on display Saturday, about 150 cars, great cars. The auction will be taking place as well. Saturday evening, we've got a, uh, a car show with great lighting, great food, entertainment. So we'll actually, it's going to be a very nice evening Saturday. And then the Biltmore Hotel is the largest swimming pool in North America. And we're going to have these... Uh, they call them the water lilies. It's a bunch of um, it's a bunch of um, ladies that do synchronized swimming and whatnot in the pool. And there's going to be a couple of shows put on by them that we're hosting. And we'll have a nice uh, dinner on Saturday for all the entrants with some nice entertainment, great food, great fashion. Then the show again on Sunday. We're going to have a hundred supercars come in as well on Sunday. Some unique. You know, not just your typical supercars, but unique pieces. 
Then we've got um, Shelby. Since Carol was a good friend of mine, we've invited the Shelby Club and Shelby America. They're going to have we're going to host a thing a series called Shelby 101 because he would have been 101 years old this year, and talk about some of his great feats in life in the motor racing life. We'll have a nice tribute for Shelby American. They're very much participating in this with the Shelby Club of America. So we'll have the supercars, the Shelby's going on, plus 150 great classics and rare pieces on the uh, field. So it's going to be different than your normal Concours, and we wanted to do something different. Our company has always been that way. You know, we've done many, many unusual things that were out of the box thinking, and we've always been the leader in this field. You know, we did a, an auction in Las Vegas at the Wynn Hotel back in November while during Formula One and sold the world's most expensive Formula One car, which was an ex-Hamilton uh, Mercedes-Benz that brought almost $19 million. So and it was quite a, an undertaking there and quite a show. We'll do this, you know, those types of things in Miami and keep it fresh and exciting. So we're, you know, looking forward to it. Well, Rob, I got to tell you, uh, it, just listening, I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, I'm just like, wow, this is just really exciting. Just like you said, you know, RM, you think out of the box, it's innovative, and uh, it's exciting. Then let me ask you this: besides the, uh, let's just say the the Shelby 101. Are you going to have like other symposiums, kind of like what Bill Warner did, where there'll be uh, like presentations and guest speakers and uh, additional symposiums on, let's say, various aspects of uh, automotive, let's say, racing history or anything like that? We'll have a couple, but to be, you know, fully honest or transparent, you know, I've seen that for years and years, and a lot of times they're pretty boring. You know? <laughs> okay. And, you know, and, like Bill Warner, he did it for a long time. They charged like $20 or something to sit in them. We're going to have some other unique type things with some celebrities and, you know, yeah, we'll have it. We'll have entertainment for people uh, that are there. And, but we don't want to do the same as Amelia or some of these other shows where they have these, you know, no disrespect, but old-time speakers that just kind of it's a, a repeat, you know? Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Once you've seen this stuff so much, it's like, okay, what else can we do here to kind of give it some new, fresh life and keep it exciting? No, no, it makes perfectly so, good sense. Perfectly. In fact, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, the F1 race out there in, uh, in, in, in Las Vegas, you know, and tying into the auction there. They do have the F1 race in Miami. Are you going to be considering doing an auction there, or is this it pretty much, like in the Miami area? Uh, we'll see. We'll okay. see. We're going to have some F1 cars on display in Mo- in Miami. And, you know, we may at some point have uh, a track experience at the F1 in Miami. There's another uh, private race track there called the Concord Club. And we're going to have some exhibition going on at that Concord Club for our VIPs and guests to see with some supercars. And, yeah, just keep it all very, very unique. You know, we've got things like the Duesenberg Mormon Meteor coming there. 
the James Bond, the real James Bond, Aston Martin, which we sold a great client of ours many years ago. And so those are, you know, those are the types of things we want to do. And we, it's such an easy place to get to in comparison to Amelia. Amelia is difficult to fly in to Jacksonville and rent cars. And there's no, there's very little in the way of hotels or great restaurants and the design district in Miami is very exciting. And so in Miami, you can get a direct flight into Miami and you're 25 minutes from the show, you know? So we just think it's going to be something very unique and different. And yeah, we did it on the same weekend as Amelia Island. Um, just to give people an option of, you know, something fresh. Yeah. It's, no, that's good. That's good. Let me ask you this. Another question. Okay, so I know you're at Monterey every year. You do your event out there at the uh, uh, Portola Hotel, and has been there for years. And and I and I knew Rick Cole back in the day, and I used to go to the Rick Cole auction, and then you know then you were there, and been there ever since. Which is you know you have just a spectacular location, spectacular auction. Give us a little comparison of the your interpretation of what you think Moda Miami and the eastern seaboard, and Miami in particular, because it was, you know, Miami's, even when you go back in the day, Miami was just, is totally historic. And then versus, let's say, the Monterey crowd. I mean, do you do you see a difference there with people? I mean, do you attract um, still the same worldwide crowd, or do you think that uh, because we're on the eastern seaboard that it's going to attract people, more Europeans, more people from the from the Mid East, India, and places like that versus California, you know, uh, gets people basically from the Pacific Rim. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the crowd will be totally different in the sense that, you know, Miami is a world class city today, and there's so many Europeans that live there in the winter time, and folks from New Zealand, Australia, you know, everywhere around the world, and we know a lot of these folks. And it's just more of a, a world-class type crowd than, you know, there's no point in ever trying to compete with Pebble Beach or compare yourself with Pebble Beach. You know, that's, that's going to be, that's the granddaddy of them all when it comes to concord and judging and things like that. But we want to be different than that and more entertainment-based and more, you know, different food qualities. And, you know, Monterey and the peninsula is a very small area, really. And it's very uh, unique. And, you know, you're never going to have a car week like you could have in Pebble Beach and Monterey area. But, again, we're just going to be something that is unique. I think it's a world-class city today. Miami is such a vibrant, exciting city that, It'll be a, a totally different crowd, I think. You know, but we'll have our regular, you know, the the, the folks that show uh, great things. We've got huge support from a lot of our clients over the past, you know, I've been in business 45 years. And so you build a great clientele of people and a great support of people that are saying, hey, if you're going to Miami, we're going to Miami. And we're happy to bring great things with us and look forward to it, you know? And so, yeah, should be exciting. Now, let me ask you this. I just want to digress. When you were like starting out and you know, you were doing your, your painting your motorcycles and started restoring cars. 
Were there any people that were kind of like inspirational to you, people that you kind of looked up to, people that you went to for advice? Who would they be? Oh, there's so many, it's hard to name them all. Really? You know? Yeah, people in business and mentors, different mentors I've had throughout my life and get great advice from and and just keep you, you know, it's the same old thing I've always said that if you do what you love, then you will become good at it. If you're doing it just for the money, you'll probably fail. But if you're doing uh, what you truly love to do, and I've truly loved to be a deal maker back in the early days, uh, when I painted something, it had to be perfection all the time. That's the type of individual I am. And now when we do things like this, it's, it's the same. We want it. We want perfection at whatever we do. And we give our damnedest to do that, you know, to achieve that. So, um, but yeah, of course, there's always people that you look up to. And when I was first starting out in the, in this business, I'd look up to the Tom Barrett's and, uh, Don Williams, who's now passed away, but he was one of the big, they were movers and shakers of the era, you know? And, um, yeah, and all kinds, like, like Bill Warner, for instance, you know, when he was a younger man, he was always inspiring because he was, he would work so hard to put on such a great show. And, you know, so, yeah. All right. Well, let me ask you this. Okay. So, and that probably holds true, that same advice right there, you would probably give to somebody who would be a potential collector for a car. Buy what you like. Buy what makes sense to you. Don't buy it for the money. It's got to be passion and love, and it's got to come from the soul. Would that be fair? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. I sure would. I've now, always told people that don't buy. You know, a lot of people say, well, what should I invest in? Invest in what you enjoy and what turns you on and then when you get bored with it you sell it move on to something else but you know i i you mentioned um your 70 chevelle or uh, el camino and and i had to kind of touch base on that a little bit and the reason being is because in 1972 when i got my driver's license i wanted to i wanted a a, a ranchero because of being a ford guy so right. <laughs> excuse me a friend of mine his uh brother-in-law bought a speed shop in the speed shop Part of the deal was a 1970 LS6, legit LS6 four-speed El Camino with a set of 343 or 336 gears in it, whatever it had in it. But it was a factory four-speed car. To this day, I kind of regret not buying it because they're extremely rare. I did end up with the Ranchero. I still have the Ranchero since high school. So when you mentioned El Camino, I had to touch base on it. Did you ever do any street racing back in the day? I mean, was that kind of like a thing you got into back in, in Canada? No, I couldn't afford it then. Oh. I did drag motorcycles when i was young but as you know racing costs lots of money and i was always busy working trying to make a living uh-huh and uh, my pat my racing passion was really for motorcycles instead of automobiles because they were a lot cheaper to to maintain and to take to the drag strip and things and you know and talking about el caminos i had a 70 el camino ls6 way back in the day that I custom painted and put some artwork on and things. And I only bring it up that I noticed last weekend when we were at the Meekum auction together, yep. I seen a El Camino LS6 and I thought, boy, those were the days, but I'm not one to reflect on the past. I'm, I tell people all the time, I don't, 
you don't need to bring up the past and what you did or what you should have did. It's what I always want the, the look forward moments. And I look at things like, it's like years ago, I told my friend I had an, uh, back then a Lamborghini. And I said, what's nice about it is no rear view mirrors. No <laughs> point in looking back. You know, let's look ahead and see what we're going to do tomorrow. Great yeah. advice. Great advice. Great advice. So you, know, you, you touched base on the Meekum auction. Yeah, we were there. We were hanging out. So tell us a little bit about your thoughts on the market now. So I know Dana tries. He used to be after Barrett, okay, Jerison Scottsdale, and now he's like starts the year, so to speak. So what's your thoughts on the market? I thought they did pretty good, and the big money cars did pretty good, and the so-so cars did what they normally do. So the, it seems to me the market's alive and well. Oh, yeah. It's amazing what he had, 4,400 cars there. I mean, 12 days of auctioning. It was insanity. But <laughs> – yeah, I thought he had a very good auction and a lot of interest, great crowds. And and he was selling a lot of cars for good money. So I think the market is just fine. You know, it, where people get hurt in the market are the speculators are buying cars that think they're going to continue to go up all the time. And sometimes that doesn't happen. So I think it's all been good, you know. Now – Dana's uh, Meekum's test was the first test of the, the new year, and I think it was well-received, and he sold a lot of cars. Yeah. Now, he had uh, some star cars in the room, those Ferraris and stuff like that. You typically have a star car or two at your auction, so now we're going to be heading into Scottsdale here in another couple of weeks, and then ultimately in Moda, and then Monterey. Give us a little insight to some of your star cars at some of your upcoming auctions. Um, you know, we've just got a good, a good solid auction of pieces in in uh, Arizona, and you know, we've got Gullwings Roadsters, a great, um, some great. Uh, we have a great Duesenberg and. It's a mix of things. So, and I, I think as you could see at Meekum's auction, he had a couple of major Ferraris, but we're not. He was not able to get them down the road and sell them. And you know, it's a pretty specialized market, and I think that our company is the leader in that market, and people continue to to dive into that market. A little bit unsuccessful, but. Uh, um, yeah, no, he, you know, he tried with his Nart Spider and Comp Daytona and things like that, but, uh, um, yeah, and we'll see. We're just starting to, to fill Monterey in. We've got a big auction coming up in June in Canada with major collection that we will be selling off. And Miami's got, I think right now we're at about 72 automobiles and, you know, it'll be $50, $60 million in value there uh, with some great Ferraris, Lamborghinis, and McLarens, Duesenbergs. You know, a real mix of things. Mercedes-Benz is, uh, is uh, participating with us in the show. And, um, you know, we're set to have our best year it was uh, in our history was in 2022. And then again last year. We had another unbelievable year, and we're looking forward to another good year this year. And you never know what kind of comes along. 
you know. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the because we were talking about values and rare cars. The Uhlenhaut Mercedes 300 SLR. Were you guys involved in that sale? We sold the car for the factory. You did. Yeah, our company sold it for 135 million euros, having it being the highest priced automobile to sell in history. And I don't think it'll be repeated for a long time, to be honest with you. So we hold, you know, we, our company holds that record. Mercedes-Benz hired us to sell that car for them in uh, 22. And, yeah, it was an amazing record. I think after that, the next highest priced car to sell at auction would be the GTO, the Ferrari GTO that we sold uh, in November in New York City. Which brought fifty-one million, and before that was another GTO we sold for forty-eight and a half million. So, the top records we pretty much own—I would say most of them, probably top ten automobiles ever sold at auction—we probably own the the those records as highest price cars ever sold. Interesting. Um, I I know you're real good friends with Bill Warner, and I, you probably saw the picture of Bill. With the Uhlenhaut Mercedes when it was, I guess, in Jacksonville for whatever reason back in the late 50s. It was on display or it was a promotional car. So I always get a kick out of that when I when I hear that story and, and, and I see that photo of Bill with, you know, sitting in the sitting on the 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 rim, the door, the gullwing part of the, the SLR. That was that's a pretty cool car. And I saw that car in the museum back in, in the early 70s when it wasn't Mercedes-Benz. And I'm also surprised, why would they sell that car as rare and as special and as historically significant as that car is? Um, well, they produced two of those automobiles, and the factory kept both of them. And they thought they would sell this one and raise funds for um, automotive engineering and designers and things like that coming up into the future. So that's what they did is the proceeds from that automobile Mercedes-Benz is using for education and for young people to learn the industry and things like that and fund some people that normally couldn't afford to do so otherwise. So the funds were all put to good use and they thought, well, we'll, we have two of them. We'll sell one and we'll keep the other throughout the history of the company. Now, did they... and then we were fortunate enough to be hired to do the job for them. Uh, that's which was a great, great honor. It speaks volumes for RM and and your company and yourself and your team. Yes, definitely. Let me ask you this: Is there a condition in the sale that if the vehicle ever becomes available for sale again, it, uh, that Mercedes Benz uh, has the first right of refusal to buy the car back? Yeah, for the first ten years, correct. Okay, interesting, interesting. Now, since we're talking about that a little bit, let's go. You're you're kind of a there's a charity that's kind of close to your heart up up north, and it's actually in in North America. Tell us a little bit about one of your favorite charities that you like to uh, uh, sponsor. The YMCA, I believe. Or well, I did. Yeah, I do a lot with the YMCA, mm-hmm. and then I also am a very strong believer. Um, in the, there we're building a new children's treatment center here in Chatham, Kent, and I've just donated a million dollars to that last week, actually. And um, I believe in it. I believe in not only helping the kids, but you know, I've been blessed with having two healthy, 
intelligent children in my life. And I always look at things and I say, you know, can you imagine if you ha had a child that had, you know, was handicapped in some way with speech or, you know, physically handicapped. And this treatment center here in town works with over 5,000 children in our home area. And I believe in, I believe in supporting the kids, but also supporting the parents that have those children that it just takes an amazing amount of energy to raise a child like that. And so I always have a huge respect for the, the parents that have to go through it. And, you know, so I think why not, why not help people out? Money after a while is not really a, any good to you in the sense of, um, there's only so many trips you can take or so many boat rides or, and I've been very blessed in my life to have had uh, success and earned some money and, and enjoy my life. And I think it's great that you share with others. So you're yeah. also, you're also involved with uh, some downtown restoration with uh, the historic district of your hometown as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's my hobby is I restore historic buildings. Uh-huh. And typically in small towns, small rural towns, you get your Walmarts and your power centers that build big box stores outside of the heart of downtown. And eventually it, it kills your downtown areas. You know, and the merchants that are the mom and pop type merchants, they can't compete with the Walmarts and the, you know, the big box stores. So like the Home Depots and whatnot. So we, you know, years and years ago, I started buying a lot of our downtown district. And I own quite a bit of it actually today. And uh, I restore these things. I, I'm, I'm in the hotel business as well. My daughter and I, we built boutique hotels in Ontario. And we have a lot of fun with them. There's a lot of creative energy goes into them and creative design. So we've got uh, one in our hometown, which... Um, I think it was last two years ago on TripAdvisor was rated the number one boutique hotel in Canada. So I love the artistic side of that and designing and putting unique pieces in and creating all of the suites in our hotel are a different theme and style from cowboy suites to rock and roll suites to, you know, Paris, France style suites. And so my daughter and I have a lot of fun and my wife and I am, we love doing that. I love doing it as a hobby and it gets me away from the 24 hours a day in automobiles type thing. So I found that to be my passion. My daughter and I are just starting on another hotel in Windsor, Ontario. We just started this past week and we're going to build that into about a, it's a large boutique hotel, but it again will be very unique in the world. And I love to do it as a, you know, it's, it takes a lot of money to do it, but I also enjoy the hobby aspect of it. And when you get it built, I'm always the type of person that said, if you build something great, people will come to it. So this is a fun project we've just started on here in the last week. And, and, and again, right in the Windsor downtown district. And it's another historic, fabulous building that was built in 1930. Yeah. Super, super. So it and make a, very cool, unique boutique hotel in there. Interesting. Now, yeah. I I got to ask you too on on the the list of people that work on within the RM organization. Uh, I noticed there was a name Shelby Myers. Is that your son? Yeah, it's my son. It's my eldest. So, yeah. so does, 
Is there a Shelby slash Shelby connection there? Why he's first name is Shelby? No, not really. I mean, I knew Shelby, Carol Shelby back in the day, but I became close with Carol the last probably 25 years of his life. Uh-huh. And my son's 40 years old today. And I just always thought the name was unique. I always admired Carol Shelby even before I got to know him well. Uh-huh. And, and uh, my wife and I both liked the name Shelby, so we named him Shelby. And fortunately, he's uh, he's he runs our he helps run the company today. He's based in California. And between him and another young man that's been with me forever, God, God my name is Gord Duff. He's been with me uh, since he was 17 years old, and I kind of groomed him. And between my son and Gord Duff and a couple other folks, you know, I've had people with me forever. My upholstery just celebrated 40 years with me. And so, yeah, they run, they run the company more than I do today, although I'm still very much involved. So, yeah, it's good. It's kind of a good time between having the fortunate aspect of working with your son in the car business and working with my daughter in the hotel business and kind of get the best of both worlds. No, 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 that's that's super, 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 and uh, yeah. well, Gord's been on our show a couple times, so finally, uh, I'm I'm really thrilled to have you on the show here. That's great. What about your personal car collection? What's in your What's in your stable, so to speak? Is that something you can share with us? A few cars. You know, I've had so many cars over the years, and um, you know, it's like I, I just finished a piece of property out on Lake Erie that. I always kept looking at it and say, would I rather invest $15 million into this piece of property or would I rather own a Ferrari California Spider, which I've owned several in the past? And I always think, you know, I'd, I'd get more pleasure out of the real estate today than I do the cars. And so I, I, have, a, you know, I have a small collection. I, I've got a couple Lamborghinis and Ford GTs and uh, 289 Cobra that I've owned forever, a couple of Ferraris, but not a lot of things. My daily driver is a 300 SL Mercedes-Benz. Oh, cool. Roadster. So, you know, I probably put 10,000 miles a year on it. So it's not not something I'm, I'm you know, if it rains, it gets wet. If it, you know, I go down a gravel road, to get some dirt on it, but I drive it like a daily user. And that's probably my favorite car. I use my Cobra a lot, although not so much anymore, but I've used it a ton over the years. So I'm not a huge car collector. I've got a, you know, maybe a dozen cars in total. Yeah, that's it. Do the cars, yeah. well, I like your attitude there because it's kind of like Jay Leno. When when Jay comes on our show, he talks about, he says, I don't understand how these guys just put 90 miles on the car and then, you know, they just, they think they, they're just, they treat them like a commodity. He says, I've got a 300 SEL 6.3. I got over 300,000 miles on it. I drive my cars and I agree with that. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just drive it, enjoy it. And just like Carol Shelby said, drive them, you know, and that's your philosophy too. Yeah, that's right. So, so the car, that's what I've done. So the cars in your collection are they? Is it are they like cars you've had forever? They're 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 important to you. You keep them because they have a you have a connection, a, a history with the cars, and or do you rotate your collection? 
No, most of the cars that I have, I've kept. Okay. And every time I have a, I have four grandchildren, and I thought it'd be cool someday to, the, my uh, my oldest grandchild is seven years or nine years old, and the day she was born, I just happened to have bought a brand new, a Lamborghini Countach that was like new in the box, and I thought that nah, that'd be fun to put away for her, and it can be valuable enough to cover her education later in life or you know it'd be something for her to remember her grandfather by being in the car being a car guy like i am so i put a a countage together and i put that away for her and then i have a grandson that when he was born my son's son uh, i made a deal i was sitting out with racetrack in vegas with carol shelby one day and ford motor company had sent him a a blue Ford GT in 06 and a red one. And he didn't know what to do with two. So I ended up making him a deal on the one car and I put it away as in, was registered to Carol Shelby. It was from Ford Motor Company as a gift for helping them design the Ford GT. So that's put away for my oldest grandson. And then I bought a Lamborghini LM002 for my other grandson. I thought those are always so cool. And I used to take my kids to school in one when they were little. Oh, wow. I love, I've always liked those trucks. And then I have a, my youngest granddaughter is only a year old. I purchased a very nice Ferrari Testarossa for her. And I've just kind of pickled those cars and put them away for when they get older. And then I just keep a you know handful of my own things around that I've had for years. And, and I like... Uh, you know, I've got a, a, an amazing 1950 uh, flexible motor coach that is kind of brand new original. I've had that for probably 20 years. I like, you know, just things I like, you know. And I've never looked at them as a wise investment. It's things that give me pleasure. And I'm done, you know, I bought half right. So I've always had the saying that bought right, half sold. <laughs> well, yeah. Do you have any 60s Lamborghinis? I have to ask that because one of my favorites was always a 350 GT, one of the first cars that came out. Do you have anything that old or are most of your Lamborghinis newer? I used to. I, used to. I actually made a couple of uh, Lamborghini uh, 400 GT Spiders. I don't oh. know if you've ever seen them. Yes, yes, I have. But I cut up groups on those years and years ago. I used to really like those cars. I'm, I'm kind of over them now. Okay. But, yeah. Well, Rob... Yeah. We are about up against the clock. I want to thank you very much for uh, sitting down with us for a few minutes here and talking about uh, your your life, your business, your passion, your hobbies, your charities. So uh, if people want to find out more about RM and attend your auctions and your events, and in particular Moto Miami, and I'm really enthusiastic about that one, how do they go about doing it? You can go online. You can pre-buy tickets. You can contact us if you wanted to have anything on display we can take a look at it it's uh <clears throat> from february 29 i think till march 2nd coral gables florida at the biltmore hotel <clears throat> and i think you'd enjoy it very much so we hope to see the folks out there well rob uh 
Again, thank you very much for hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I wish you all the best. Uh, you've done very well. You're an inspiration to a lot of us entrepreneurs. So I want to say thanks a lot. And uh, and I truly enjoyed the interview. And, uh, and again, all the best to you. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at uh, Moto Miami. Likewise, sir. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Take care. I want to thank my very special guest, Rob Myers with RM. Super nice guy. When you get to sit down and get to know some of these people, they're absolutely amazing. And in the meantime, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, where you can find and listen to some of the most amazing interviews in the motorsports world and the music. In the meantime, I want to see you guys at some of the car shows. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family.